are back. Just like I said, we'll be back. This is For the Glory KC, where we bring a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge with a more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, editor at thebluetestament.com, who's going to take you on that bit more of a deep dive for KC soccer. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, the million-dollar woman, Sheena Smith, who gives that more casual perspective. What's up, Sheena? Hey, I wish I was the million-dollar woman. That sounds pretty lovely. Are you familiar with the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase? I've heard of the show or the comic. You're thinking of the $6 million man. That's Uh. something different. (laughs) Of course, that was a wrestling nickname, as it always is. Anyways, on this week's show, uh, we have another unexpected center back signing for Sporting Kansas City. We talk about the state of the roster build. The new kits are out. We have our reactions to them. There's some observations from training last week. And we preview the first game of the season. Oh my gosh. Kansas City versus the Portland Timbers. And MLS finally gets around to telling us how the playoffs are going to work just days before the season starts. But before we get to that, Sheena, I'm in full recovery mode. How are you feeling? We just, we've been gone for eight days. We recorded before we left. We're now recording now that we've gotten back and we're right back into the podcast world. Yeah, it's been exhausting. We had quite the problem getting to California. Uh, for once in life, there was weather in Phoenix and that delayed us and it took us 18 hours from Kansas City to California. But we made it and we went to Disneyland and we did a lot of fun things and we got to see my family and somebody had a birthday while we were there. So happy birthday, Chad. Do you yeah. want me to tell the people how old you turned? <laughs> I was thinking about it as you were saying it because I knew that's what you're about to ask me. I don't know that I care. I kind of like surprising people with how sneaky old I am when we're in person. I remember telling Daniel Sperry from the Kansas City Star how old I was one day, and he was like, what? What? Like, he just didn't, he couldn't <laughs> put his head around it. So uh, I'll let you all look at me, see what you think, and then you come up to me and ask me, and I'm happy to tell you my age. It's not, I don't find it rude, so it's okay. You can ask me. I make my yeah. students do it at work all the time. Maybe you could post a picture on the Instagram account and have people guess your age. Okay. Yeah, that's something we could try to do. All right. We've got a new segment this week, Kids Corner. Corner, starring my daughter. She's been begging to be on the podcast, so we're going to let her on. And this week, she has a joke. How many soccer players does it take to change a light bulb? I don't know. How many does it take? I'm not sure, but it would be a lot less if they could use their hands. But dum dum. All right, that was Kids Corner this week. All right, well, let's get to the actual podcast stuff that we're here to do today. So Sporting Kansas City, they did make a center back signing like we referenced in the intro there. Robert Cassianos, not a name that anybody was expecting. That said, most of the time when a new player comes about, I don't know who they are and I have to go learn who they are. In this case, though, uh, the reason it's a little maybe unexpected or underwhelming, sorry, Robert, is that he has mostly been a minor league American player. He played for the LA Galaxy 2, Rio Grande Valley, which is, or used to be at least the Houston Dynamos affiliate, uh, Nashville SC. That's an MLS team where he got one whole appearance, and then he was loaned out from Nashville SC last season to the Tampa Bay Rowdies, who were a consistent contender in the USL Championship. He also had a little tiny brief, like one, two month stint in Finland before signing with Sporting Kansas City. So Shane, what were your initial thoughts when you heard about old Castellanos joining the team? I had a couple thoughts. The first one was, it's another womp womp signing for me. Uh, I feel so bad for these center back signings because I'm sure they're talented. I know they're talented, but not to the level I think we're all looking for. And I have to imagine 
the issue is sporting can't sign a big name or somebody with solid experience because maybe one doesn't exist at this point or they aren't interested in coming to sporting or they just can't agree to a deal. It's disappointing, but I really hope that Robert can wow us. But the fact he's only played in the USL and only that one game uh, for Nashville FC, it doesn't get me pumped up. But I do think there's some positives to this signing. Uh, I saw he's only 24 years old. So if he can get up to speed, maybe he's the future or maybe he can be a decent backup in the future. The other thing is with that one MLS signing, like I, or that one MLS game he played for Nashville, he did score in that game. So that feels maybe positive, but I wish he had played more on Nashville. So we had more like of an understanding of his skills because right now, to me, he is a USL quality. What do you think? Yeah, I'm a little underwhelmed too, and it, it's no no offense to Robert. It's funny now we have two Roberts that are center backs on the team, Robert Volodar. So um, I don't know. I don't want to disparage the guy, but yeah, it's just not what anybody was looking for. Now, one thing I kind of took issue with with some of the folks online were pretty much trashing Sporting Kansas City for this signing was why didn't they have a better plan? And I can't imagine they didn't have a better plan. And that for me is went into the offseason saying, I'm going to let uh, Nicholas Isamat Marin and uh, Kave Rod walk away and not try to replace them. I have to think he was trying to replace them. And every rumor we heard this year about a center back, every single one of them fell through versus pretty much all the other rumors we heard were players that either ended up signing with Sporting Kansas City or uh, some of them ended up being SKC2 players. But on the whole, I, I think they had a plan and it maybe it just fell apart. Maybe there was talks and transfers and trades and things and it just never got over the finish line. I'm a little concerned. Definitely from the center backs, you have two guys that are maybe starter quality. You have one guy that has definitely a starter quality in Andreo Fontes and then everybody after them is pretty unproven. But maybe these guys will surprise us. Maybe they'll be better than we expect and it's not like you can't still add players there's they have until april 24th to add somebody in the first transfer window and then last summer obviously sporting kansas city knocked it out of the park with the eric tommy and willie agata summer signings so they could always do something in the summer but hopefully these guys are just great and play the you know the play everybody off the field and we're just like hey i don't know what are we even worried about chris rindov man this guy's amazing castellanos he just never got his chance now he's getting his chance so We'll see, but I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I understand that. I'm nervous too. And as I was, uh, you know, thinking about the podcast today, I thought of something we talked about. Uh, maybe it was in November or December, but these last two signings of center backs, it kind of makes me wonder how much time and effort was put into the potential Ronaldo deal earlier in the offseason. And I'm wondering if they got so wrapped up with that potential signing, not that they forgot that there was other positions that needed to be filled, but maybe they had a lot of money potentially being tied to Ronaldo. And it was kind of, I don't know if afterthought's the right word. Or my other theory was, was there so much confidence that, that they had in Courtney Ford's ability that they never considered him getting injured before the season started. And maybe the plan was if he was injured, they would have someone ready to go at that point. And clearly we're past that point. So I don't know if you've thought about those scenarios at all. I hadn't thought about the Ronaldo thing, but that's a good point because it ultimately turned out to be kind of a distraction. It got sporting on the 
like a map, I guess, so to speak, in terms of teams and players around the world, maybe knowing who they are a little bit better, that they were that close to signing him. But ultimately, it kind of ends up being a bit of a waste of time. So you, you might not be wrong because I, I broke this down in an article. If they'd assign Ronaldo or any designated player of that expensive of nature, it was going to cause them to have to move the team around a lot. So maybe they couldn't go buy another big center back because they were spending time and effort thinking Ronaldo's going to come to the team and therefore we can't make another move because then we won't be able to fit all these players into the MLS salary budget. I like that idea. That's a good point. It's it's sad and bad if that's true because that's going to ultimately hurt the team this year, but it, you make a good point. Thank you. I appreciate that. I While I was doing my research, I didn't see anybody who had tied Ronaldo, so I was thinking either I'm way off my rocker here or I might be onto something. One other thing you brought up earlier is talking about Izzy and Cave Rod and like how badly are we all missing both of them right now? It seems like they would still be a better option than what our current situation is, right? Yeah, at least for the backups. I'm not convinced that Robert Volater won't end up being a really good option, and maybe he'll be quite the quality starting center back in this league. And and obviously, Fontes is capable of being quite good when he's not terrible. <laughs> like he had a kind of a down year last year, but so did the entire team. So, But the backup situation, yeah. You got to think, if Issy was the backup, I'd feel a lot better about it, knowing he's there ready to come in. And then even Kaveh Rod, who didn't get a ton of chance to play. He didn't play at all last season, but he played the year before. He knows the system. He came up in the Sporting Kansas City Academy. There's something to being said for not having to learn what Peter Vermees wants from you. They know what he wants. It's just a matter of going and doing it versus these new guys, Rendoff and Castellanos, have to get prepared. At least Rendoff has been there the entire preseason. That's got to give him a leg up for being the third center back. But Castellanos, he's got some work to do to get ready. And uh, we'll see. Hopefully, honestly, hopefully we don't have to see him. Hopefully the other guys are playing really well. And no offense, Robert, that you keep being a, a lifer backup uh, unless you're just blowing it away. <laughs> but I don't I don't know. We'll we'll see. It's a it's an area of concern still for sure. Yeah. And my final thought on this is I feel like this whole thing is a disaster right now because we all know our defense could crash and burn right away on game one. And if we know that this is our team's weakness, I imagine all the teams in MLS also know this and they're gonna go after our defense. And we potentially could be set up for another disappointing season. So it's like that's kind of looming in my brain on how this could be another long season, even if our offense is awesome. Yeah, I think that the offense will be good enough to help get some results that Sporting couldn't pull out last year because they, they just couldn't score goals at times. And when they did score, they'd immediately give up other goals. And that may be happening again if the defense doesn't play well. But I, I keep thinking about if you're a neutral fan and you don't have a favorite team or you want to pick up and watch some other MLS games, Sporting may be a good game to watch every week because it might be fun. It might be a lot of like 3-3, three, 4-3 three, you know, crazy scores. And uh, Portland, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, had a pretty wild game against Sporting last year. And maybe the opener will be just goal after goal after goal. It's something to figure out. But the next subject we want to talk about, and it kind of ties into this center back subject, is the state of Sporting Kansas City's roster. So with the Castellanos signing, they are up to technically 29 players on the roster, but Ford is going to go to uh, the season-ending injury list presumably. So that would free up his roster spot so they can still make two signings. It's a little gray in terms of where are these players on the 
the depth chart in terms of MLS has a bunch of complicated rules. You have 20 senior roster spots. You have these 10 supplemental spots. I don't know if they have any senior spots still available with all their, you know, three left backs and all that nonsense that we've talked about earlier in the offseason. So I want to see, Sheena, how do you feel about the roster build? Besides the center back thing, we're all concerned about that. But outside of that, how are you feeling about the build? Yeah, so I kind of broke this up into three different points. So I'll start with the good. The good news is we can be excited for our offense. At some point, we're getting Polito back. I think it's going to be in the earlier part of the season. And then I'm hoping by mid-season like or in the summer, we get Gotti Kinda back. So that's exciting because last season, we were really unsure of our, or of our offense because we didn't have either player on the field. And we also didn't have Eric, Tommy, or Willie Agata. So our offense has some like has the potential to be something very exciting to watch. So I'm pumped up for that. I'm also feeling pretty good about our midfield. I don't think it looks bad either. Um, we still have Roger Espinoza, who gives it his all when he's on the field, plus Remy. And then some of the young, younger kids like Cam Duke. And then one of my favorites, and I think yours too, Felipe Hernandez. Oh, I love Felipe. I'm a big yeah, Felipe stan. We are a big Felipe family fan here that doesn't make sense, but we family love family fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's not a term, but we love Felipe over here. We're a Stan. Uh, I just said you're imminent. I gave an Eminem reference there for you. Stan, we stand oh, for Felipe. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Anyways, like the offense, I think we should be good in the midfield. And if there's an injury, I feel good that we have competent backups. And then my last point is obviously the downside is our defense and I feel bad for them because I feel like especially there's going to be a lot of pressure on Fontes. Like I think we've established he is the main guy for the defense and the star and whoever's with him isn't going to be as experienced. So to me, that's a lot of pressure for him and I feel bad for him. I hope that we see Zussi and Caden Pierre split time because Zussi is a, lo a little bit slower at times, and I think teams are going to beat us up on defense, so we need some fast legs in there. And I think Zussi would be a good, um, I don't know, halftime, like put him in as a super sub if we're up, and if not, keep Caden Pierre in there. But I think ultimately our defense is going to come down to the goalie, which... I, I don't know that we've really talked much about goalies on any of these episodes in too much depth, but I think it is going to come down to the goalie, which I think at this point is kind of an unknown on who the starter is. And I feel confident with Tim Melia, but I feel even more confident with John Poolskamp. So those are my thoughts. What do you think on my thoughts and your own thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right in that the goalkeeper, Amelia, started a little slow last year, but then I thought he was trying to get his groove going a little bit before he picked up that injury and ended up missing quite a bit of time. And then same thing for Pools Camp. When he got into the lineup, he started a little slow, but he, he got going. You kind of need your goalie to stand in their head once or twice a game and make a great save. And that's what keeps you in it. And I think both of them are capable of that. It'll be interesting to see if the torch gets fully passed to Pulse Camp. I'm guessing Pulse Camp's the day one starter. Uh, Amelia hasn't played a ton in the end of preseason. Actually, that brings me to a point I wanted to mention really fast is we don't know what happened to that fifth preseason game. There was just like, hey, a sporting one, four to two over Phoenix Rising. Now, we don't know when the two goals were given up. We don't know who was on the field during those goals. Was it, you know, silly mistakes? Was it the starters? Was it something like that? Yeah, I think the preseason, I feel like, has been a bust. Like, we haven't really gotten much from sporting. 
And so we really don't know what we're working with. And maybe this is how it typically is for the fans in Kansas City. And maybe we've just been privileged all these years because we were able to go to the preseason games and we saw a different aspect. And that's not a thing for this year or last year. So it's been a weird preseason to me. Yeah, it's definitely been weird. And I think hopefully the streams will come back more. Uh, They had an Apple um, MLS season pass stream the other day for not for a sporting game. Obviously, none of those games were shown. But my kind of I share your thoughts in terms of the attack in the midfield. I think it looks great. The forward line looks great. The midfield looks great. I'm very confident that's going to work out. The one piece about the defense that I think we're maybe glossing over, and it's because we have no insight on it whatsoever, is the signing of defensive midfielder Nemanja Radoya. He didn't play in the first four preseason games. I don't know if he played in the fifth because they didn't put any information out. But I was told that he was practicing, that he looked sharp in practice. So hopefully he's ready to go. And that could be a big difference, shielding that back line. If he... He plays the position a lot differently than Remy, who was forced kind of into that role last year. And he got going as the season went on. And when everything else got clicking, kind of he was clicking as well. But he's still not meant to be a defensive midfielder. So if, if Rodoya can knock it out of the park, hey, who knows? It could be a different ballgame. Although who knows? Rodoya could end up playing center back because Vermees did say that. I saw I was actually uh, scrolling Instagram looking for any little news bits before we started this. And I saw one of these many sporting Kansas City accounts, like an unofficial account, like the Bleacher Report account or something like that, talking about how we've added three guys that are over six foot tall, Radoya, uh, Rindov, and maybe Castellanos, actually. And maybe that's going to help because the team has not always been great in the air. So getting some taller bodies out there could make a big difference. Defensive midfielder, you know, extra few inches of height. Maybe they're they're clear in a header that they wouldn't have cleared before. Maybe he's a destroyer. He's out there running down plays that the players that have played that position the last few years have not been able to do. So that's that's kind of an X factor. He could end up being a huge important piece. It's maybe the most important position on the field at times for the way the four four or I'm sorry, the four three three system for Peter Vermees works. Is Rodoya, is that the guy that came from is it Honduras? No, uh, the Honduras player ended up on Sporting Kansas City too. Rid- <gasps> That's right. Okay. Rodoya is Croatian, if I'm not mistaken, but he played in the Spanish league, La Liga. Uh, he okay. has like 180 some games or something like that. He used to play with Fontas at Celta Vigo, another team over in Spain. Okay. I was getting confused for a moment. Thanks for the clarification. Yeah, I think kind of you're where most people probably are right now in terms of I've, I've listened to a few other podcasts and they're all pronouncing his name differently. I looked at the pronunciation guy. It looks like Radoya to me. So I'm sticking to that. But we'll see if anybody else agrees with that or what the announcers say. I am a, a little actually, you know what? I'll just skip ahead and say this real quick. So we don't really know who the announcers for the games are going to be, but Sheena, did you see that Nate Bukati is going to be working for Apple? I did see that. Yeah, he was listed as, quote, a regular member of the team, but he wasn't listed as any of the pairings. So I don't know if he's kind of like a, a backup uh, play-by-play guy and he's going to fill in when other people aren't available. I hope he gets to call some games. I imagine he will call games on the radio for 810. The home game broadcast will be available the radio broadcast, you can sync it up with your MLS season pass broadcast and listen to the radio versus whoever the commentators you're given are. But my point for bringing that up is because who knows if they know how to say Rodoya's name either, whoever gets uh, pulled in as the commentators, because we can remember games where it's like, I can't remember, how would the announcers always say Seth Sonovic's name? It would drive me bananas when they would get it wrong. Do you remember? No. 
I'm trying Sin- to think. Spinovic or something like that? Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah, and, and sh- shallowy, they'll be like, Saloy, you know, stuff oh, like that. Oh, yeah. And it, it drives me bananas. I'm like, go listen to another broadcast. Or the team puts out a pronunciation guide. Look at that. I guarantee you the PR people would help you learn how to pronounce their names because those guys are spot on. They always help me with anything I need. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see if we can figure out how to say that guy's name. Radoya, that's what I'm going with. Nemanja Radoya. I mean, it sounds good. It sounds like a legit name. I have a question about Nate Bucati working for Apple. I will just get my thoughts on this now and we won't cover it in the digital crawl, but I'm happy to see he's going to be working for Apple and I'm curious on what his role is going to be and if it's just with sporting or if it's going to be in a more general sense. And have they explained how the Apple broadcasts are going to work? Is it going to be similar to USL where the broadcasters pretend they're in the stadium, but they're at like a general location? Because in my head, I was thinking maybe he's going to just be covering random games, not necessarily sporting games. I haven't heard if they're traveling to games, and that's a failure on my part for not looking into it. But maybe at the same time, they haven't announced it. I don't remember seeing anything. So I know there's no sideline reporters. We confirm that. Okay, that works for now. All right, cool. Well, I think that kind of wraps up that portion of the conversation. One last thing on the center back, Sheena, we got an email. I apologize right now for mispronouncing this name, but we got an email from listener Rich. Uh, He asked us about 2022 draft pick Isai Easley. He was Sporting's pick last year, and he did not sign with the first team. He went straight on to sign with Sporting Kansas City 2, and he kind of wanted to know, hey, is it possible that he ends up being a center back on this roster, that he's, you know, MLS caliber? And my gut tells me he's not. I did not watch a ton of Sporting Kansas City 2 last year. The streams were brutal. Like they they were AI cameras. They were zoomed way out. Uh, you could only watch them live. If you didn't watch them live, you couldn't watch them at all. So I will admit, I didn't see a ton of them. But when the season ended, it was announced that Sporting Kansas City 2 was trying to negotiate a new contract with him. And he nothing was ever said that if he did or didn't sign. However, they did start preseason, Sporting KC 2, and he was not listed on the roster. So I have to think that he's probably not coming back. I think I followed him on Instagram, and he's like maybe in Hawaii, where he where he's from, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know if he's still going to play soccer or what's going on with that. But no, I don't expect him to be the next guy. I mean, shoot, I'd take Kaveh Rod back in a second over this. Jahan Rod, his brother is on the second team, so they could always bring him up. But again, if you add a fifth center back, which I hope they still will do, I think it needs to be somebody of higher quality, somebody with more experience, ready to step in there. But I think they'll probably keep working on it and see how things play out. I agree. If we're going to add a fifth one, it needs to be somebody with some experience. And I just wanted to say thank you so much, Rich, for reaching out to us. I love it. And thank you for listening. Like, this is really exciting that people are asking questions. Yeah. Keep asking us questions, everybody. You can uh, get at us at For the Glory KC, Instagram, Twitter, Gmail. They're all out there. Go, Go find us. Send us messages. The odds are we'll probably use it in the show. All right. Let's move over to another topic, something that we prophesized about last week. Well, I don't know if it's prophesized is the right word. We made our guesses as to what would happen with this, but Sporting Kansas City released their new 2023 primary jersey. It is Hoops 4.0. It looks awfully a lot like Hoops 3.0, which I'm probably one of the very few people who was not disappointed by this because I had said, if you all listened last week, I kind of hope they go with Hoops. Hoops becomes their identity. You turn on a broadcast and you see hoops and you see 
sporting blue and indigo and you know hey that's sporting kansas city that i'm watching whether it's not generic white jersey generic black jersey like a lot of the teams have had in previous years but they rolled out the hoop so i was okay with it how are you feeling about it sheena well i feel like by now everyone and their mother has given their two cents on the jersey and like you said overall the reaction wasn't great i saw a lot of people felt that it was lazy of the team to just recycle the hoops um since it it's already been done. And I can agree with them on the surface with the sentiment of it all. However, like you just said last week, you know, it's hoops is becoming their identity and you got your birthday wish. So I don't know if it was my birthday wish. I don't know that I would put it that I wished for it. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm fine with it. it it's a little yeah. underwhelming. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, I kind of want it to be underwhelming. I wonder if people I, go, oh, gosh, you know, it's lazy that Manchester United's wearing red again this season. I can't believe they're wearing red again. I don't know. Do I wish the jersey was more exciting? Of course, especially when you compare it to some of the other jerseys that were released in the league. And what I'd like. What I think would be cool, this is a sense that you manifested what you wanted last week. It's my turn to do the same. Okay. Do and some manifesting, Sheena. Do yeah, it. Yeah. So what I would like to see happen in MLS is every team has a primary look and everyone does the boring look one year and then the next year everyone gets to do a crazy look uh and the reason i would like that format like i'd like it to be a little more organized is because when you compare hoops 4.0 to like uh seattle sounders like bruce lee one like there's no comparison of course that one is gonna look cooler because we have a primary kit where I think Bruce Lee is probably like a more creative one and not like a primary one, right? Right. It's their secondary kit. It's not like that dragon on there, which is sweet. Don't get me wrong. Is yeah. in their lime green colors. If that was, that'd be bold. But most of the teams that put out really cool jerseys and kudos to MLS because they were a lot better this year than they've been in years past. Most of those were secondary kits. Most of those are the ones you can go a little wild with. So my hope would be, and maybe this is what you were kind of referring to as well, is next year, the bar needs to be raised by Kansas City. If I get another plain indigo jersey, or at least at a distance looks like a plain indigo jersey, I'm going to be a little bummed. But if I get, you know, Argyle 3.0 indigo, all right, yeah, sign me yeah. up. We'll see what happens. I feel like they could do something with fountains and that could be cool. Like there's so many directions they could go. And I feel like in general, the jerseys aren't that exciting. Like I, the tire tracks didn't appeal to me. I like the Argyle. Argyle? I feel like that I'm saying that wrong. Argyle? Yeah, I feel like you're nailing it. Okay, never mind. And then, but I think overall, like the jersey, it was in. I think my larger issue with the jersey is the cost. And I get there's inflation. But if I'm going to shell out $120 for a new jersey, it wouldn't be for this jersey. That's just a slightly enhanced version of the previous jersey. And I think that's where people are getting upset. You would really need a wow me to have me shell out that kind of money. And this jersey isn't wow worthy. We've seen it before and that's fine. But to me, it's not worth the money. I wonder how Hoops 4.0 sales will ultimately be. Because if it's not a cash cow, which I can't imagine, it's going to bring in a lot of new money. Are they going to do Hoops 5.0 in two years or are they going to retire the Hoops series if the jersey sales aren't good? 
That's a good question. I, I don't imagine this one will sell as good as uh, prior jerseys, right? Because it is similar to the one before. It might explain why they weren't crazy discounted at that members club sale like they sometimes are because they knew, hey, we're selling a very similar jersey pretty soon. So we don't want to give these away for nothing because I agree with you. I I probably won't buy another one because it looks like this unless I get a good deal. Or there's a player I really need to have on the back of the jersey, something like that. Maybe I fall in love with Nemanja Radoya and I need a Radoya jersey. You never know. It's funny, though, that you say you're not going to get one because you didn't get the last hoops. So. I only have one jersey. Um, what, it's a what hoops jersey, have? actually, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. I thought it was a star. Isn't there? I don't know. Oh, I'm you probably. have the Swiss dots, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the Swiss dots. I'm pretty sure you, you have a second jersey and you're not remembering. I ho- think you have hoops 2.0, which is like this one in inverted with indigo as the oh, primary colors. Oh, yeah, I do. I like how so, I know your war- your sporting wardrobe better than you. <laughs> well, do. I only have two jerseys. I knew I had a second. I didn't realize it was hoops. The other thing I was going to bring up about the jerseys is that Chris Wright of ESPN ranked the jerseys this year, and I don't know if you saw, but Sporting came in at number twenty five, which isn't great. And I don't do you know what I'm referring to? This article. I didn't see the article, but I saw another ranking on Dirty South Soccer, the Atlanta United SB Nation site, or former SB, I don't know. They're staying on SB Nation, unlike the rest of us. <laughs> and I think they had Sporting at seventh. So it's, huh. it's subject. It's opinion. It's your personal okay. opinion. Well, Chris Wright had LA Galaxy as the number one jersey, and I disagree with that because they call it the LA kit. It's cool, but it goes back to like, there's so many better jerseys. Like I can't, like I keep referencing the Seattle Sounders Bruce Lee one because that's the one that I keep thinking of. Not that I even really liked it that much, but it was something different and unique and cool. And I don't understand how LA Galaxy's jersey beat out Bruce Lee. Maybe that guy's from LA or he's a Galaxy fan. I know it's a retro look, right? The Galaxies. But I remember thinking this is kind of boring. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it, it didn't appeal to me at all. But if you're a Galaxy fan or maybe like a MLS original back in 96, it's got that vibe, those color, those colors to it. So. What other jerseys did you like? Because I had four that I really liked and I wonder if we had any similar ones. Gosh, off the top of my head, I liked the New England Revolution one with the sash that's kind of like a a little bit of a reinvention on the sash and it looks kind of traditional new england revolution to me if they they made that their you know their theme that they keep going with i'd be down with that trying to think off the top of my head here what other ones exist what other ones did you really like and maybe that'll spark something because i'm thinking of the dc united cherry blossoms which i thought was cool and interesting i like cherry blossoms but it's also like it's just gonna look white from a distance it's almost too subtle yeah i don't even think i realized that they had your cherry blossoms i almost said jerry blossoms but cherry blossoms on their jersey so my favorites i really liked inner miami's la noche kit um i like the black and pink and then it had some waves i thought that was fun do you remember that one i don't off the top of my head but i'm pulling them all up right now which is always good for radio (laughs) okay well i'll do my other ones i also liked uh, minnesota united's northern lights kit i thought that one was really cool it's kind of a take well obviously a take on the northern lights i really did like that one actually yeah because it's like tonal it's like two-tone vertical and there's like some pink in there it was really fun yeah and i know there are rivals but i almost always like their jerseys i bet this one is definitely my favorite so far they're not our rivals, so it's okay. It's okay. nonsense. It's nonsense. Do, okay. do you know the story of why they're called the nicest rivalry in MLS? 
Well, because Minnesotians are the nicest people in the country, according to my mom. Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I think that's part of it, right? But also, Olivia, I don't know how you say Olivia's last name. She used to run the Sporting Kansas City Twitter account. She's like a professional photographer. And she just kind of like jokingly put that out there on social media and it took off. And she's like, it's my most famous slash most hated tweet I ever did. So I, I thought that was funny. I heard that as a backstory. Somebody pointed oh, it out to me. So. Interesting. Okay, I have two more that I really liked. I really like the San Jose Earthquakes Active Fault Kit. It's fun. And it. I think it looks like the mountains, but I think they were saying it's what an earthquake would look like. I don't know. I thought it was fun. And then the last one I liked is the team are playing this weekend, the Portland Timbers plaid kit. And I just love plaid. Plaid is rad. And lumberjack chic is one of my favorite looks. So I, I want to hate Portland so much, but I like plaid and I like lumberjacks. We got to prepare for this game this weekend. So training was open to the media last week back on oh, on Valentine's Day, February 14th. We recorded so earlier in the week, we couldn't account for this. But there was some observations made. I did not get to go because, you know, it's during like regular work hours. But uh, Daniel Sperry from the Kansas City Star, he got out there. I know Fad got out there. And Daniel had a couple things I wanted to point out I thought was interesting. He said that Melia Tamilia trained with the goalkeepers but did not play when there was scrimmage time going on so I'm still kind of leaning towards Pools Camp being that day one starter Amelia um, was on the sideline with Alan Polito at that point so Polito again also probably not going to be ready to start but you never know might be able to come off the bench maybe be able to get in there Logan Ndenbe has a hamstring injury and did not participate luckily there's 1100 left backs on the roster so that shouldn't be a problem Peter Vermees at that time said he was confident a center back signing was coming we now know that was Castellanos and then Sperry said that he was impressed by the glimpses of Leibold and Radoya. So I'm hoping that spells positive things as we head into this weekend's game. Speaking of, the freaking MLS season starts this weekend, uh, February 25th. Sporting Kansas City will travel to the Pacific Northwest to face the Portland Timbers. This game's going to be on a little late for us. All games are going to be on pretty much on Saturday nights, pretty much at 7.30 local time. The flaw with that for us Kansas Cityans is that that means 9.30 anytime we go play Portland or Seattle or Vancouver or LA or the other LA or <laughs> or San Jose, on and on. So 9.30, a little bit late, but it's a Saturday night. You should be able to stay up until, <laughs> you know, what would that be? 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday to watch a game. It won't be a problem for me. I stay up late every night. So they're going to be playing Portland. So I thought we should preview that game. Do you mean to just get into it, Sheena? Well, Yes and no. I just wanted to give a little like intro on what I'm bringing to the table with these these previews. Is okay. that okay if I start with yeah, that? Yeah, go first. Okay, so I just want everyone to know I'm getting official here to the best of my abilities. I did some research on the Portland Timbers, and I used a couple different websites, but I mostly used the sister website to the Blue Testament, Stumpy Town Footy, which is like a great name for a website. Did I say that right? Stump Town Footy. Oh, yeah. Stump Town. Did I say Stumpy Town? Stumpy. <laughs> We're building I'm up a rivalry a... <laughs> with those guys now. Oh, Stumpy Town over there. <laughs> the stupid thing is I wrote it down as Stump Town. I've been wanting to say Stumpy Town. Like every time I wrote it, I added a Y. Anyway, so I use Stump Town Footy for some of my info. And I was really impressed by the fans who go to the page. They are hardcore and very active in the comments section. 
like one of their um, articles had like 125 comments. And I was just like, wow, that's a lot of comments. I wanted to start off Portland and can sporting Kansas City have the most players returning to each of their teams. And I'm curious to see how this pans out for both teams this season, because the last season Portland finished in eighth place, and then we finished in 11th place. So that stat would make me reconsider and add some new players. And I understand that like we're a tale of two different teams last season. So maybe our 11th place is a little skewed. But I and maybe Portland's the same way. Do you know? Did they add players midseason and they got better? Or did they get worse and they started off hot? I don't know that they made a lot of additions last year, but they were very beat up from injuries, just like Kansas City. So I think they think they had a good team and they just didn't get a chance to prove it because they had a pretty good run there towards the end and they just fell, I think, like a point short of making the playoff. They were the eighth team. I think Sporting was 12th, but I could be wrong. Uh, either way, they were both pretty bad for huge portions of the year. So it is kind of funny, like you said, that they only made minimal additions. Uh, they only added one player in the entire offseason, which is crazy. Like Sporting even added a few players, even though maybe, you know, I say Radoya and Leibold are probably the only guys that are likely to be starters of the people that were added. But the, to only add one player is is wild. Now that player that they added, Evander, ooh, he looks like he could be great. People are predicting he might be like the signing of the offseason. They spent something like $10 million to go get him. Mitchelland? I, I don't know. I, I never know how to say that name. Uh, so uh, anyways, what else did you find out, Sheena? So I do want to correct myself. Sporting was in 12th place last season. I just hit the wrong button on my notes. So yeah, we did end in 12th place last season. So some other things I found out was based off of what I got off Stumptown Footy. It's kind of a tongue twister, honestly, because it doesn't really go. But other things I found on the Stumptown Footy website is there was an article and they were talking about how the key to success might be through their U22 players. So I'm curious to see how those players develop throughout the season. If they have any that start, that could be an advantage since they may not have a lot of MLS experience and that could benefit us. But on the flip side, they could be really good. And depending on the position, it may not matter if they're young, especially if they're offense and we don't have a good defense. So I came up with like a pros and cons list to playing Portland. And at the end of it, I'll give you my prediction on what I think is going to happen. Does that sound okay? I like that. Yeah. So let's a couple things that are probably worth noting to preview this game. So you guys have a little preparation. The game is in Portland. Like I mentioned, Portland have won the last three home games against Sporting KC. Past is not always prologue. It does not always tell us what's going to happen in the future. But you'll all probably remember the nightmare 7-2 loss in Portland last year. Kansas City redeemed themselves and beat them back in KC. But in Portland, they're having a little bit of a rough go a plus for Kansas City in this game is we're, we're complaining that we've lost Courtney Ford and you know we've got a few injuries Polito may not be ready Kinda's definitely not ready Amelia may not be ready but Portland is banged up speaking of U22 players David Ayala is one of those he's out so he's not going to be playing Dyron Aspria their leading scorer last year just had knee surgeries out four to six weeks he will not be playing Felipe Mora one of their attacking players knee out probably till May or so. 
Uh, Sebastian Blanco, ever heard of him? He's only one of the better players in MLS history. Uh, he's still dealing with an injury from last season, so he may not be ready to go. And then Claudio Bravo has a hamstring injury, may miss a couple of games. This is all per Ryan Clark of the Oregonian. So I think there is a possibility that uh, they're not going to be ready either. But of these teams, offenses tend to not click as much right off the bat in the season. Things can be a little disjointed. But at the same time, the defenses both look bad enough. They lost a couple defenders. They traded one away. They lost another to free agency. Uh, it's possible that they're going to be bad on defense. Sporting's going to be bad on defense, and we could get our first shoot out of the year. Uh, but what were your pros and cons, Gina? So the pros I had is their forward, like you just said, Felipe Morris, coming off knee surgery, and he's not expected to return till May. So one of the struggles of the 22 season that the Timbers had was they had no consistent threat on goal. And they, to my knowledge, still don't have that since they only added one player and it was not an offensive player. So... Yeah, and Evander is kind of an offensive player, but he's more of like a creator. Like he's going to deliver that final ball to your other players. And if you don't have guys in there that can go finish it, then maybe that's a problem. They do have Yimmy Chara, who's a, is a pretty good attacking winger. Of course, there's Diego Chara, who's going to chop your ankles up in the midfield. He's a, he's more of a defender, but yes, they have some problems at forward. They have not been able to find a consistent score. And, And I've read a lot of people saying, Hey, they need to go get a starting center forward, even though they have several players that were supposed to be their starting center forward that haven't worked out. They didn't get themselves a Willie Agata, that's for sure. Yeah, it feels like they're in the same position that we're in, just opposite. We need a center back. They need a striker. But not having Felipe Mora in is a positive. And all of my information, I want to give credit where credit is due, is from Sam probably going to screw up his last name, Civilar, S-V-I-L-A-R, from Stumptown Footies website. Hey, look at me. I said it right. Anyway, so I think him not being in the game could be to our advantage because no one else was signed. Another potential pro is the defensive player, Claudio Bravo. If he ends up missing the game, which I think you just said he has an injury. So one thing I learned about him is he signed an extension through 2026. And he's one of the best left backs in MLS. Um, Last year, he had 77 tackles, which was the most for the league. And Sam... Sam S, we're going to call him, listed some other impressive stats, but I was too lazy to write them out. So it could be hard to score against Portland if he's in the game because he's a solid player. And right now it could go either way if he's playing. Uh, another pro is they no longer have Bill Toloma, who was Tui a Loma. Tui Loma, okay, who was a defensive player and the fourth highest goal scorer for the team last year. So not having him on the team helps us. And they're starting the season banged up, which can be to our advantage. However, the con to this is the fact that Portland has won three of the last home games against us. To me, that goes in their favor, especially because it's the first game of the season and fans are going to be hyped. So my prediction is that the game could end up in a draw. I don't have a score for you. I just think it could be a tie when it's all said and done. How about you? Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't be terribly upset with a draw when you go basically MLS, right? You win your home games, you draw on the road, you're going to be in pretty dang good shape. And because they're going to let all the teams into the playoffs, more on that in a bit, <laughs> and a draw would be a pretty good result. That said, gosh, I just, 
I hope Sporting comes out on fire and looks amazing and just outscores a disjointed Portland team. They're missing a lot of people. I think that could open the door for Kansas City if all these guys that have missed a little bit of preseason time, your Tommies, your Radoyas, you know, libeled guys like that, which maybe he just missed because he wasn't here yet. Those guys are all ready to go. Oh, I feel like they can outscore anybody. And they're not going to be out of games. That's going to be the fun part, right? They may get behind, but remember a few years ago when they would just keep coming back and they keep wanting, winning these games from a deficit? Uh, we could get some of that this year in terms of giving up stupid goals and then having the offensive firepower to really come after it. Especially, imagine Polito, Agata, Russell, and Shallowy all somehow on the field together at the same time. If you need a goal, they can probably find a way to pull one back with all that talent out there. Tommy too. Don't want to leave that guy out. I think it's all going to come down to at the end of the day, what team clicks better since it is the first game of the season. And even though they've been doing these preseason games, like I think playing a preseason game versus an actual game are two different things. So I think the two biggest factors are who's going to click the quickest and the fans for Portland, like they're the, what are they considered? The 12th player. Am I making that up or is that the goal post? The 12th man. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh, don't bring up those double posts. Jeez. Uh, The 12th Mm -hmm. man is like a Seattle uh, Seahawks thing. Is that what you're thinking of? I mean, the fans are great in Portland. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think any... Yeah, any home game, the fans, in theory, unless it's like Dallas FC, should be a factor for you. Dallas. No offense, no offense, Dallas. <laughs> FC Dallas, Sheena. FC Dallas. Oh, whatever. <laughs> we don't care enough to respect them and call them by the right name. All right, I'm going to pick a two-two draw. Uh, sporting come from behind, picks up the draw on the road, but uh, I'm, I'm always hoping for a win. All right, time to switch gears. A few more topics worth t- touching on before we get to the digital crawl. Uh, there is a rumor out there that Alan Polito has been in negotiation with Sporting Kansas City on signing a new contract. His deal runs out at the end of this season. There has been talks of him going back to his old club, Chivas. Lots of articles actually written about that. Uh, he talked about how you know he always has an affinity for them. What do you think? Do you want Alan Polito to come back? I personally want to see what he brings to the team this season before we jump the gun. He spent a lot of time here injured, and it feels premature to already have him sign a new contract when he hasn't played for an entire season, and he may not be to the same standard he was pre-injury. So let's at least get like a few games under the belt where he plays before we talk about like renegotiating his contract or extending his contract or signing a new contract, whatever they're trying to do. It makes me think, though, that his former team is really pressing hard to get him back. And so maybe Sporting feels pressured to do something um, before a, a better deal comes up. I don't I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it'd be a real bummer to lose him for nothing after paying, you know, what, nine and a half, ten, ten million 10 million bucks to go get him and for him to suddenly be gone after missing literally half more than half the games that he was on the team. I'm hopeful that he's healthy this year and that he's banging in goals left and right and that sporting and him will come to some agreement and this two-headed monster of Agata and you know Polito is here for years to come but yeah it's it does feel early considering he's never stayed healthy for a full season he's never put in a full season but he can leave for free he could sign well he can't leave yet but he can sign a pre-contract in the summer and be set to leave when the year is over and sporting would get nothing for him so I would like to see them get something or get him locked up 
but I don't imagine they're going to sell him on to another team. You never know, though. It could happen. Another subject here, the last big one before we go into the digital crawl, is MLS finally got around to telling us how the freaking playoffs are going to work this year. So uh, our nightmares have come true, in my opinion. They're letting in 18 of the 29 teams. That's over 62% of all the teams are getting into the playoffs. They're kind of tempering it a little bit. The two extra teams that are getting in in both conference, the eighth and ninth teams, they are going into a wild card game. So it's just like a one-off. It's not really the playoffs, I guess. I don't know. They go into the one game and then the winner of the wild card game goes into round one of the playoffs, which starts after that. Another, I'm, a thing that I'm not really sure I like is round one will have a best of three series. So the the higher seeded team will host two of the three games if they're required. Uh, there will be no ties. There will be no extra time. It'll just go straight to penalties after 90 minutes if the game is tied. And then the first team to win two games advances. We could end up with some ugly games of penalty kicks, so that doesn't sound great. Then after that, we get back to the tried and true format of the last few years that's worked fantastic. And we go into single elimination games with up to, well, 30 minutes of extra time, two 15 minute halves of extra time and penalty kicks if needed. The format has been great. I don't see why MLS feels the need to mess with it. Every indication is they're just trying to give Apple more guaranteed games. And by doing that, like I talked about on last week's episode, you're diluting the regular season. There's now games that mean less because if you're going to let in nine of 14 teams in one conference and nine of 15 in the other conference, you can be bad and still make the playoffs. Sporting would have only been three points out despite being atrocious for most of last year. It was an awful season, but I guess it's good that they're still alive, but it also makes the regular season borderline meaningless in a lot of ways. I agree with that. I don't like this new format. I didn't really understand it, so I'm glad you explained it. To me, if you have to have the 8th and ninth team play against each other for a wild card game, just eliminate those two people or those two teams right away and then just have seven teams. And like to me, that would even be better. I also don't like that the first round is the best of three series, which wasn't that kind of a format at one point. Like yeah, a, few, a while a, ago, a long, long time ago, MLS used to do best of three and it kind of made more sense back then. There were less teams and it made the playoffs longer Then they went to what is common in a lot of the world. Well, places that, where there are playoffs, I should say, where they had like a home and away series with yeah, aggregate goals. And we don't have that anymore. That's not that's not coming back. It's not going to have that at all. But which I wasn't really a fan of that format because it would lead to a lot of ugly soccer where teams would try to score one goal on the road and then play for an ugly 0-0 draw at home. So yeah. I, single elimination works so great. Last year's playoffs were amazing. The year before, honestly, were pretty dang good too. I, I don't know why you want to mess with something that's not broken. And my point to Apple was, hey, you're now trying to get me to buy MLS season pass. Well, I'm the wrong person because I already bought it. But for the people that haven't committed yet, why buy it? If the regular season doesn't really matter, I can pick it up with a, a month or two to go in the season and start paying the monthly fee and get, get it for way less and then watch the playoffs where suddenly things are important because, you know, most of the regular season doesn't matter with this many teams, which I was against it. I remember years ago, sporting was like the sixth seed and it really should have been like the top five teams in because the league was smaller. And I was like, sporting shouldn't be in the playoffs. They are. And then they got eliminated immediately. I think it was against the Red Bulls in 2016, if I'm remembering right. But it, I don't want my team to be in just because there's more teams allowed in. If you weren't good enough, you shouldn't be in the playoffs. 
the end. Well, yeah. And then to me, this could be a situation where it turns into baseball, where baseball, the majority of the people, unless you're a diehard fan of a team, don't pay attention until it gets closer to playoffs. So to me, it's not growing the league in the direction I think it should go in. That's just me. The one thing I do like is with this best of three series, I like that there's going to be no ties I kind of like that there's no extra time and that it goes to PKs because after 90 minutes, like I kind of just want the PKs to come. So I'm getting that and maybe that creates, you know, some ugly games, but it'll, that will be an interesting aspect to it. Then it basically goes to what we've seen the last few times or the last few years with the single elimination, which I'm fine with. So I agree. It seems like a way just for Apple to have more games. And I hope they do it and they realize that maybe overall, if the viewership is down throughout the whole season, maybe it's not worth it if it's just picking up. Like, hopefully they come to that realization and they calibrate at the end of this first season and decide, hey, maybe that's not what's best for the league. Yeah, we'll have to see how it plays out. But I think they'll probably just blame it on, hey, it's in a new place and people didn't know how to watch it. So if ratings aren't good, it's not because of anything, you know, that they diluted the quality of the season. It's just oh, people didn't know how to find season pass. Anyways, it is time for the digital crawl, y'all. We're going to rapid fire, go through a few topics and get you out of here to go enjoy the rest of your week. The first topic, Kansas City Current. They are off and starting their preseason. Their first game is on the 23rd. Maybe the day you're listening to this podcast. Maybe it's already happened. They're playing Orlando Pride. And they're playing that it's an open to the public game. You can actually go on Kansas City's website and reserve tickets to that if you happen to be in Florida on the 23rd. A little late if you're hearing this right now. Hopefully you already knew about it and you got down there. They have three more preseason games on the 27th of February. They're playing the Chicago Red Stars. Then they come home for a bit and then head off to California on March 8th. They'll play the Houston Dash. And on March 11th, they'll play the San Diego Wave. Those last three games are all closed to the public. So I hope um, NWSL does what MLS has failed to do with the preseason. Do we know if they're going to stream the game somewhere for fans to watch the games? I haven't seen anything, but the fact that three of them are closed doors tell me those three will not be. And it feels really unlikely that you stream your very first game because you're probably not going to be ready to go and put together. That's it. They're down at the IMG Academy in Florida. There is absolutely the equipment to do that. That's where MLS is back took place a few years ago during the COVID bubble. And, you know, there's plenty of like youth national team games and things that happen down there. So the infrastructure is there and fingers crossed. I really would love to watch some soccer. Yeah. And I think I know where we're going next February to see some preseason action. Yeah, we'll have to confirm that with the team that there's going to be an open open game because I don't want to head down there and then not get to go to a game. That always depressed me in Phoenix when that would happen. All right, a few other topics here. Speaking of the Kansas City Current, Michelle Cooper, number two overall draft pick by the Current. She is off with Alex Spanstra playing with the U.S. U23s over in Paris. Uh, they played against France in two games. They won the first one. I think it was two to nothing. And then the second game was a one-to-one draw. Spanstra the 10th overall pick, she actually started both games, but Michelle Cooper came off the bench in the first game and scored a goal to put the team ahead 2-0 later on in that match. So, hey, Cooper already banging goals into the net. I love it. I'm hopeful for a lot more of that. There's actually a lot of other national team news here in the crawl as well. The U.S. women's national team, the senior team, they have won both of their She Believes Cup games so far. They beat Canada and Japan. Uh, By the time you're listening to this, the third game against Brazil will have happened. And 
hopefully they'll have won the She Believes Cup as a nice setup to the Women's World Cup this year, this summer in New Zealand and Australia. And then finally, the United States U-17 boys have been killing it off at the CONCACAF Championship. They're actually playing right now as we're recording, playing Guatemala. But if they win that game, they'll advance to the final four. You'll already know the result. Go look it up. (laughs) And if they get into the final four, they will qualify for the 2023 U-17 World Cup in Peru this November and December. They're going to play the winner of Canada and Puerto Rico. Again, if they can get by Guatemala, uh, I have the game recording right now. I'm going to go watch it as soon as we stop recording. Sheena, any thoughts on any of that national team news? Uh, I haven't been following the U.S. U-17 team, so that's exciting that they're killing it in the CONCACAF championship. So hopefully they've won the game that they're currently playing and they move on. I like that you say you haven't been following them. And I literally watched one of these where you were sitting on the couch right next to me, but you weren't paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea. That's what you were watching. You okay. In all fairness, on that day, you watch like three different soccer games. It's hard to keep up with all your soccer watching sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I was catching up because we had been traveling. We had been in Disneyland and I just like stayed radio silent and didn't look at any of the results. So it was like surprises to me to see if they had one or not one. Same for the women. All right. Well, that is for the glory casey if you've made it this far in the podcast and you haven't already be sure to go subscribe tell all your friends if do your friends like kansas city soccer they should be listening to this so that they can get a little bit deeper in their knowledge or just some fun casual tidbits uh, just search for the glory kc wherever you get your podcasts and be sure if you haven't already go give us that five star rating and review it helps other folks that maybe aren't your friends find the podcast maybe you'll make new soccer friends oh it's all gonna happen so you can follow us on all the social media sites at for the glory kc on instagram facebook twitter or email us for the glory kc at gmail.com you can follow me on twitter at play for 90 sheena still not tweeting about soccer and to play us out here is christian leo with write it like you mean it take care everybody bye